clots started like passing. I started passing clots and they were like pretty big clots. And as this continued, the pain like intensified. Like, I mean, I can't even describe how bad this pain was. Like, I don't know. It was like cramps times a million to me. Um, and I, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but I was not enduring this pain too well. And so I immediately knew I was having a miscarriage. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. This podcast is a community for melanated queens who are ready to prioritize holistic self-care as the ultimate form of self-love. My name is Toya, and I'm extremely passionate about helping you take back your crown and live your best life. With each discussion, I will take you along my own personal journey to self-love, as well as feature guests that will give you practical self-care tips for your mental, physical, spiritual, and financial well-being. Are you ready to invest and thrive in your own journey to happiness and wholeness? Then let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. My name is Toya and I am your host. So as I've mentioned this month, we are focusing on mothers. And so today's topic may be a bit sensitive. We will be talking about miscarriages and it's something that a lot of people, a lot of women specifically, of course, <laughs> deal with worldwide on a daily basis. And it not just affects women physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. And since this is also, also mental health awareness month, I wanted to make sure we're able to provide some support to you, to women who, you know, have dealt with the miscarriages. And so before we get started and going into the conversation, um, I just wanted to share a few statistics with you on miscarriages. Miscarriage is an unexpected loss of a pregnancy before the 20th week. Um, about 10 to 20% of known pregnancies and in miscarriages. Most miscarriages occur before the 12th week of pregnancy. And most miscarriages occur because the fetus isn't fully developing as expected. And about 50% of miscarriages are associated with an extra or missing chromosome. And this is something I found very interesting. Nearly one third of women who've experienced early pregnancy loss met the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder one month after miscarrying and around 18% met that criteria nine months later. And so I just wanted to shed some light on this topic and bring um, some awareness to this and as well as hopefully provide comfort to women who've dealt with miscarriages and who, whether you've experienced this recently or you've experienced this some time ago and, and women who, I think a lot of us who deal with a number of situations, how we heal, we all heal and we all go through things at our own pace. And so even though you may have gone through a miscarriage years ago and you may be feeling guilty or frustrated with yourself because you're still grieving and you're still um, struggling with that experience, um, it's okay because everyone heals at their own in, in a different pace. And so I want always want to do my best to tie these topics back to self-care because in situations like this, 
your well-being as a woman is very important. And it may be hard to start to process um, the process of healing, but hopefully we'll be able to provide you with some helpful tools to kick off your healing journey. And so today I have with me, Anjanae Pierce. Thank you for being a returning guest on the podcast. <laughs> oh, of course, it's my pleasure. Yeah, so Anjanae is, she um, was one of the first guests that I've had on the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast, and she is a licensed therapist, but she will also be sharing her story today. And so um, I'll give it over to you to, you know, reintroduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself, um, as well as begin sharing your story. Okay, so as Latoya said, <laughs> my name is Anjanae Pierce. I am a licensed um, professional counselor, board certified, um, been in the field for a little over three years. And yeah, I mean, that's always a tough question for me about me, but you know, that's, you know, me (laughs) in a nutshell as far as uh, career goals. Um, So my experience um, with miscarriage, where should I start? So we'll start, I guess, at, at the moment I found out I was pregnant, which was really weird. Um, I don't know. I don't know what made me, my body just, it was like my body kind of just told me and something was like, take a pregnancy test. I just felt the need to. Um, I hadn't yet approached a missed period or anything of that nature. It was just like, I had this urge to take a pregnancy test. Um, I did so and to my surprise, it was positive. And it took me, I literally probably took about 15 pregnancy tests. I'm not even joking because I did not believe what I saw initially. Um, But once it set in, um, you know, move forward, um, the father, he wasn't around at the time, wasn't, you know, to involve, we were kind of having some communication issues. Um, and so I was going through the process alone. Um, I found out I went to, first I stopped at Planned Parenthood because I thought they provided prenatal care. They do not provide prenatal care. So what all they did was gave me another pregnancy test and confirmed that I was pregnant um, and referred me out to somewhere else. So I went to um, another um, OBGYN and he also confirmed a pregnancy. He was Hispanic. Um, and as I, I was there, he confirmed the pregnancy, but he said that, um, he wasn't sure if it was going to hold, um, because he couldn't see, I believe it was the yolk sac. He couldn't see, but you know, he couldn't see that. Um, I ended up leaving him because he was very, uh, I feel like he lacked in his bedside manners. And I felt like I was questioning a lot. And I'm like, you don't just tell someone that you don't know if their pregnancy is going to be viable and just come back in a few weeks, you know, and just leave it at that. Like you didn't explain to me in depth what was going on and, you know, what to expect or what to do you know, in the meantime. And so it was just kind of a waiting game, which I was really anxious about. So um, I ended up going to another hospital and 
finally I was able to meet with a black nurse practitioner and she was more thorough with the process. Um, and she did, which was pretty much the very next day, actually, she did find the yolk sac. So literally one day later, the yolk sac was there, the, um, and everything was in place basically for the baby. Um, but she said she needed to, some, some other tests needed to be conducted. And so she sent me to um, have that done in two weeks. And so as I waited, I was having like these cramps, but everybody kept telling me like, oh, when you're pregnant, you know, you have like these growing pains, your, your body's changing, your uterus is expanding to make room for this baby. And, you know, you're going to have cramps, you're going to have aches and pains in pregnancy. So everybody just kind of wrote it off as normal. And I'm just like, I don't know, something just doesn't feel good. I don't know why I'm having this like pulling achy sensation at the bottom of my stomach. And so I used to go to bed all the time, even though it was still very early, because I probably found out like at the first day that I could find out because um, I, I ended up losing the baby in like the end of the sixth week, beginning of the seventh week. But anyway, I kept feeling this tugging and pulling, but I would go to sleep just holding the, you know, the bottom of my belly and, you know, um, so I think it was a few days, I want to say three days after I had spoken with the nurse practitioner and she told me she saw the yolk sac and scheduled this other test to be done. I went to the emergency room because again, I was just having these pains and then there was, there had started some light spotting. And so um, they told me they did all these tests and stuff. Everything was fine. My HCG levels were like really high. That's the hormone that lets you know, them know that the baby's in your body. So um, they were really high. My numbers were good. Um, they did the ultrasound. I heard the baby's heartbeat. They heard the baby's heartbeat. It was, everything was fine. And, you know, they said that the pregnancy was fine. The very next day was Father's Day. It was also a day my sister was throwing like a joint birthday party. Our birthdays are like two weeks apart. And so she's throwing like um, a joint birthday party for the both of us. And um, it was Father's Day last year. And so she um, had the party, but I just wasn't feeling well. I wasn't going to go, but I went anyway. And as soon as I got there, I just laid in a recliner, but I was just having these intense cramps. And something told me to just put a pad on because I was having the light, you know, spotting or whatever. So I put the pad on. When I got to the party, laid in the recliner, about 15 minutes later, I got up, went to the bathroom. There was dark red blood in the pad. And I sat on the toilet and there was dark red blood and this gets kind of graphic just as a warning. Um, clots started like passing. I started passing clots and they were like pretty big clots. And as this continued, the pain like intensified. Like, I mean, I can't even describe how bad this pain was. Like, I don't know, it was like cramps times a million to me. Um, and I, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but I was not enduring this pain too well. And so 
I immediately knew I was having a miscarriage. Um, I called for my sister and my grandmother and they came into the bathroom and kind of, you know, helped me. I think I was in a state of shock. Um, I wasn't crying at that time. I was just like, um, kind of frozen and just standing there. Like, I don't know what's happening. I do know what's happening, but I was just lost for words. And so I was rushed to, um, the ambulance came and I was rushed to Little Company of Mary um, Hospital, which I had a very traumatic experience there with this process. Um, I was in the waiting room there for probably over six to eight hours. And usually when you're taken by ambulance, you're seen much faster. Yeah, Little um, Company of Mary is trash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I'm still looking into some processes about this experience, but um, I was in the waiting room all that time, and although there was someone there with me, I didn't really have anyone advocating for me, and I was in too much pain to advocate for myself. I was in too much pain. I was weak. The emotional situation of it all was really hard. So I had too much going on to advocate for myself. At one point I had to plead with the person that was with me um, to get up and go to the front desk and tell them like, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. And some people may think it's dramatic, but until you experience it and maybe, you know, every experience can be different. But I literally thought I was gonna die that day because the pain was so bad. It like took my breath away. And I didn't know how to, you know, breathe through it. And the person with me is just like, breathe, breathe. And I'm like, I can't. The pain is hitting like back to back. So it, what it was was contractions. And this is what the doctor told me. It was contractions. Like when you have a miscarriage, your uterus has to contract just like you're, you know, giving birth. It has to pass this stuff. So it's contracting to try to get not this stuff, but the baby, the fetus, it has to contract to do that. So It's literally contracting and trying to expel the baby from your body. So in essence, it's like, it is like labor. It's like a form of labor, except you're not pushing out a full blown, you know, full term baby. So um, in the process, I'm like trying to breathe, but I can't, every time this pain hits me, I can't breathe. And I'm like, today is probably going to be the day I've heard so many times of these birth horror stories and you know how black people are black women in particular women of color are treated when they're dealing with pain and when they're dealing with labor and things like that and I'm like people are writing this off like because it's probably it's a miscarriage they're not taking it serious you know I'm like I don't know what has to happen and so As all of this is going on, I'm not realizing I'm bleeding through the wheelchair they have set me in. And there's blood pooling on the floor underneath the wheelchair that I'm in, blood running down my legs, you know, clots all in the seat of my pants, all in the the wheelchair. Uh, The clots are contained because I have pants on, but, you know, there's blood everywhere. Um, And the people in the emergency room other sick people are yelling and screaming for help for the people to come and get me and take me to the back. And that's kind of when the person that was with me also jumped into action when they saw all the blood on the floor. 
and were like, if you don't get her back there, it's going to be a problem. So they, what they did was they brought one of those chucks, those little padded, um, you know, things that kind of sit under the elderly people when they are wet. They brought one of those and they were just going to place it under the wheelchair for the blood to continue to co collecting. And so um, they finally did get me back there shortly after that. And um, after that, they pretty much doped me up with some morphine, um, which, you know, put me to sleep. It didn't really take the pain away. There was still pain for a while. And then they gave me some more drugs. And then finally, I was like at a tolerable pain level. Um, they kind of, you know, cleaned me up, ran some tests. My levels of my HCG levels were dropping. Um, slowly but surely they were dropping. So they were pretty sure that I was having a miscarriage and that, you know, the baby was no longer there. Um, they ended up sending me home early that next morning. And I asked them before they sent me home, did I need to have any, you know, procedures or anything? He said, no, we're pretty sure everything's passed. And I'm like, okay, I get home and it was so hard for me to come back home because I'm coming back to this room where I once knew there was a little baby growing in my belly and I was, you know, excited about the joys of getting in my bed and just rubbing my belly. And in my family, um, we, you know, we nurtured the baby from the very beginning. And then I also have this extensive history with um, experience with early childhood. And so, you know, from the very beginning, we start. And so I used to pray over my belly. I used to rub my belly. I used to talk to my belly because I wanted my child to grow up feeling loved and coming to this world feeling loved and nurtured and things of that nature. And so now I'm going to get back in this bed. And now I know that I'm recovering from this baby not being here anymore. So it was, it was hard. And, you know, at night I would just hold my belly and just cry. I just cry and sleep and cry. And then the other thing is that I was just in so much pain still. I was still bleeding really heavy. And most people say like, you know, a few days to a week or so, you should, the bleeding should kind of start tapering off, level off. You shouldn't be like excessively bleeding still. I was still excessively bleeding. So I called the emergency room to talk to the same doctor that had, you know, taken care of me. And she's like, oh, you know, you can come back in, but you know, it's just, you just, your process might be a little longer. You just, you know, but we're pretty sure you passed everything. And so I said, are you sure? You know, is, are you sure? Because if we need to, if a procedure needs to be done, I'm, I want you guys to do it because I don't feel right. Something still doesn't feel right. She kept saying, no, I went back into the emergency room. They examined me and they had me waiting once again, hours upon hours. Um, I was examined. She said I was fine. Um, sent me back home, told me to put like a heating pad and things of that nature. Went into the emergency room one other time. And finally, the last time I went to the emergency room, um, I had a totally different doctor. And he at the same hospital? At the same hospital. 
And he said he did not know why they sent me home without performing the DNC. And what's that? Um, DNC, I'm sorry. It's the dilation acuterage. So they basically dilate your um, cervix, I believe, your u- to scrape the inside of your uterus mm-hmm. to make sure that all of the remnants, because it can be dangerous if they leave anything in there. It can mm-hmm. cause infections and things of that nature. And so they go in and they, you know, get all of that out. And then basically, uh, I believe the cuter just like the closure of it. Um, so what did the other doctor do? Did she do any examination or anything? She did like a pelvic exam, but she didn't do what she needed to do as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the in-depth um, procedures that he did. He had me go up for like a ultrasound and a vaginal ultrasound. It was, it was, it was painful. It was not pleasant, but having these things done, you know, they were able to determine that my uterus was still contracting because there were still remnants in there. And so, um, finally I had the procedure done and, you know, um, it was, it was painful waking up and coming to after the procedure, you know, it was painful. They sent me home that same night. Um, and basically after that, it was just the recovery process. So, you know, six weeks, no intercourse or anything like that, which that wasn't something I was even remotely thinking about at that time, but, you know, just the healing process. And that went, that went pretty smoothly after they finally got everything out. Um, the pain level decreased drastically. Um, and it was just the emotional part of it that lingered. Um, and so I had told a few people really early on in the pregnancy, I I was waiting to 12 weeks, but there were a few trusted people that I told pretty much early on so I could have a support system, you know, um, and my mom was one, one of my best friends and, um, and that was it. I was, yeah, that was it. So, um, I had given my mom like a little t-shirt, little cute little, you know, grandma type stuff. Um, and I had bought like, oh, and I told my sister, I had bought her like a little t-shirt saying auntie, you know, just as like their little telling gifts or whatever. And so I had, you know, my mom gave me the t-shirt back. And so, and I hadn't given my sister her t-shirt yet. So it was like, I had these things looking at these things. Um, I still had some of the pregnancy tests. And then I had all the hospital paperwork and I had also asked for a picture of the ultrasound that they took you know, of the baby, um, when they found the heartbeat. So I had that and the baby looked like a little bean, literally like in the ultrasound, it looked like a little bean trying to sprout. And so I've always called the baby, the bean, even from the beginning. And so, you know, it was very emotional. It was a very hard process, um, to deal with, you know, and yeah, it was, it was tough it was, it was definitely a tough process. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You had to go through that on top of dealing with 
the issues within the healthcare system that most Black women deal with, um, to not be able to have that support like on the medical side and them to be not be thorough enough and you have to go back three times like mm-hmm. but I'm 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 glad that the last doctor was you know able to confirm that yes like you know they had to get the remnants and things of that nature out but I think that just shows like the work that needs to be done within the healthcare system especially when it comes to like people of color and how we're our symptoms and our pain is so easily dismissed um, for a number of reasons. Either they don't care, they think we're exaggerating, they think mm-hmm. we have the ability to have a to tolerate more pain. It's just whatever the reasoning is, it isn't. Um, it's never justified. Um, I hope you're able to file a complaint against that doctor too, um, because that's that's insane. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, how did how can a miscarriage in general affect a woman from a mental health perspective and specifically how did it also affect you? So I strongly believe that women, um, and I, I, I plan to do more research on this, but I strongly believe and that women, um, experience postpartum, even after a miscarriage, you, can experience um, symptoms of postpartum depression, just as with, I think miscarriages are not discussed enough and people don't understand the impact. So they write it off as like, oh, you just had a miscarriage. I mean, you're fine. They probably write it off as like a period, you know, we're just normal, you know, and you move on. But, you know, when you know, I can't describe the feeling of when you know there's a life in you, when you can feel it, like, like I said, from the beginning, my body was what gave me the cue. I wasn't more, not morning sickness. I'm not talking about morning sickness or missing the period. My body just gave me this cue and I just felt like I needed to. And so I did, and I was pregnant, but, um, women can be impacted emotionally, you know, dealing with, um, postpartum like symptoms. So being, feeling depressed, feeling hopeless, um, you know, on the uh, more severe side of things, even feeling suicidal, having um, some anxiety, you know, the normal, the normal things that women with postpartum may experience, um, they can very well experience those. Um, I would say that my miscarriage impacted me, I would say, I dealt with, um, I dealt with probably some mild depression, you know, related to that. Um, It was hard for me for a long time to go down the baby aisle in stores or to see other babies, even to see and hear other people being pregnant was like really hard for me because it was like, well, why didn't my baby make it? You know, what, what happened to me? And you know, sometimes until these things happen, you don't think that you would ask certain questions. But I was like, what's wrong with my body? You know, can my body hold a baby? Um, eventually, I was able to work through that question because I'm like, okay, my baby create, my body was able to create a baby and hold it for almost seven weeks. So it's possible. Um, I did end up finding out also that I had fibroids and some of them 
were relatively large. So that could have been a part of the issue. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I dealt with some depression related to that. And so what did your healing process look like just, you know, after experiencing the miscarriage? Um, it, it looked like a lot of grace towards myself, a lot of being kind, a lot of just understanding that I'm human, understanding and, and accepting, not just understanding, but accepting that there's nothing wrong with me, that, you know, it wasn't my fault that I lost the baby. It wasn't that I was too stressed or too this or too that, or that I had done something wrong, but just that it wasn't quite time. My body wasn't ready to hold this life and that something could have potentially been wrong. When I asked the doctors what was wrong, they said that there was probably either, like you said, a missing chromosome or extra chromosome and your body immediately recognizes that and then it rejects it. Um, and so just understanding the facts of it was helpful. Um, and then I'm also, um, I've always been a proponent of therapists with their going to therapy. So I've always been in therapy, but especially during that time, it was really helpful to have that space to talk it out, cry it out. You know, friends and family were very supportive throughout that time. Um, and of course, um, as a Christian woman, prayer and, you know, having um, my relationship with God to back it up was uh, definitely a cornerstone of helping me hold it together. Yeah, I think that spirituality and whatever it is that, you know, I guess people choose to believe in, but also that support system, <clears throat> excuse me, is extremely key um, because I I know in a lot of situations, specifically like a miscarriage, a lot of women may tend to feel alone. And so I'm glad that you were able to surround yourself with that support system. And I hope that women who, you know, those of you all who are listening and may have experienced that or just recently experienced it, that you're able to surround yourself with people um, so that you know that you're not alone in this process. And as a therapist, what advice would you give to women who've experienced, you know, um, a miscarriage? Um, the key thing, number one, advocate as much as you can for yourself, please do. Once, you know, once I was beyond the initial miscarriage, I was able to better advocate for myself. I was able to say, no, something's wrong. You need to check it out. I kept going back until finally, you know, action was taken, but it's important to speak up for yourself, especially women of color, because our pain is discounted and we are not taken seriously a lot of the time. So advocate for yourself or find someone else who can. I will say that in this process, they did have a, like a hospital advocate and um, she was actually a white woman, but she came down. And in my last visit to the hospital, she made the process a little bit more effective, a little bit more comfortable. So if you have a miscarriage and you're in the hospital, you can always ask if they have an advocate or somebody to help your process. Um, she was willing to go through those processes with me, brought me blankets, make sure I was, you know, comfortable until I was seen and then made sure I was seen and that every, 
thing was carried through. So advocate for yourself. I would also say be gracious to yourself. Give yourself time um, to heal. Don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. Nothing, you know, um, there's just processes within our body that we have no control over. And so if it happens, you know, something, you know, is going on with your body that wasn't able to hold on to that baby. And it's not, again, not your fault that it's happening, but your body is trying to protect you, so to speak. Um, so just be gracious with yourself. Lots and lots of self-care, lots of self-care, whatever that looks like. If that looks like you for a little while, not wanting to get out of the bed and to have some good rest and, you know, taking time to yourself by yourself, that's okay. Um, as long as, again, it's within reason, if it becomes excessive, then you want to seek some um, support from a mental health therapist. Um, also, family is important, just like I talked about the very same things I would recommend for other mothers who've experienced um, a miscarriage. Family, if you don't have family, whoever your support system is, if you don't have a support system, look for outside help. Look for a therapist, look for a trusted um, community person, or um, they have like agencies, they have plenty of helplines and hotlines, or you can just call and just talk to someone. Um, also, if you are in any type of religious community that you feel safe, go to a religious leader and, you know, seek advice. And if you have your own personal relationship with your God or your, you know, deity, then, you know, also look, look there to your higher power. I think those are great, um, great suggestions. And so as my last question, so we can wrap up the conversation for those who, um, who have a partner, a friend or a family member that they know um, that has experienced a miscarriage, in what ways can they support that individual? Um, some, most of the time, just by being present and letting them know that you're there and that they have an ear if they need it or they have a shoulder to lean on if they need it. Also see what they need. Like I said, miscarriages um, are very painful. And if you have to have the DNC process, for me, it was very painful when I woke up. And you know, so there are like certain little limitations that at least the first few days where you're gonna be in a lot of pain, I think, Maybe it has something to do with the anesthesia, but my body from head to toe was in pain. I was in pain and in bed for like three days. Um, and while I had a support system, I don't know what was going on those times, but <laughs> there wasn't very many visitors, but I could have used that a little bit more. So somebody to come by and see if I had eaten, you know, things like that, because I was literally just in the bed for the, for three days straight. Um, so check on them, bring them food, you know, um, and just like I said, I think the most important thing is just let them know that you are available. You know, um, losing a baby comes with grief. It's a death. It's a death and it's a loss. And so there, there's a grieving process that comes, you know, along with that. And so just being what they need in that moment, even if it's just for you to lay next to them or, you know, let them cry, just be whatever they need in that moment. Well, I thank you so much for 
um, just sharing your story on today. And then as well as providing some tips and suggestions from a mental health perspective as a professional to other women that, you know, are um, experiencing the, the loss of, um, of a pregnancy. And so just um, as we're wrapping up this conversation, um, if you are enjoying the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast, feel free to leave a review on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And if there are any questions that you have, if there are any topic suggestions that you all have, feel free to email me at info at imperfectlybeautiful.me. And, and Janae, thank you again for joining me on today. I look forward to having you back again sometime soon. <laughs> you know, I'll come back anytime. It's my pleasure. <laughs> and we will talk to you all next time. Have a good one.